0: Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Brains On. Just go to Indeed.com slash Brains On right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Brains On. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. A quick message before we get started. This episode gets into some heavy, big parts of something that all of us feel, sadness. We're not going to get there until the second half of the episode, and we'll give you another heads up before that part starts. But we just wanted you to know, this episode has plenty of your typical Brains On fun, but also gets serious too. Okay, on with the show.
1: You're listening to Brains On, where we're serious about being curious Brains On is supported in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation.
2: Previously on Brains On... I would
3: love the part! Bye! Oh man, this is so exciting. I, I gotta tell someone. Oh, I know, I'll tell Harvey, our ever-present disembodied robotic voice assistant. Hey, hey Harvey, are you familiar with the series of plays based on the superhero Alpaca Jack? Yes, yes. Well, now you're talking to the newest alpaca jack. Wool well, yeah.
4: Harvey, please dim the lights and play some moody 80s synth music. I'm feeling kind of blue.
5: Dimming lights. Playing music. Your skin tone shows no traces of blue. <sighs> I don't mean blue, blue. I'm just down in the dumps. We are on the 12th floor of Brains On headquarters. This floor contains soap sculptures, zen gardening tool storage, aquaponic cucumbers, and the skate park. There is no dump on the 12th floor. I know, Harvey. I guess I'm sad. Okay? I'm sad. Sad? Sad? Is this a malfunction of some sort?
4: No, it's normal. It's just that all my life, I wanted to be Alpaca Jack.
5: Sandin (laughs) will soon star in Fleece of Mind, the next Alpaca Jack play.
4: Yeah, I know. I know. I tried out for that part, too. It's perfect for me. I've been a fan of that series since... (laughs) the short identity.
5: (laughs) There is an unusually large buildup of mucus in your nose and your eyes seem to be wet. Are you allergic to this music?
4: No. Harvey, sometimes a stuffy nose and tears are part
5: of being sad.
4: Losing this part feels like I've
5: lost everything. Status update. Two shoes, socks, pants, shirt, Harvey-enabled smartphone, and a full head of hair. What? You have not lost everything. At last tally, you also have $12 in your wallet.
4: That, that's all true. Look, I'm just trying to sit with my feelings a bit. It helps me process
5: them. I can process them for you. I have a quantum core super processor. I can process anything. Let me help. (laughs) Yeah,
4: I don't think you get it. (coughs) Hey, Harvey, you know what might help? Pickles. Do you know when the last time the pickle vending machine was stocked?
5: There was a delivery this morning.
4: Okay, I'm gonna go get a fresh, crunchy pickle. It's like mom always says, when sadness is a lurkin', go get yourself
5: a gherkin'. Sounds like a plan. Pickles are ranked in your top five favorite foods. Here is my list of your five most requested foods. Tacos, pickles, pickled tacos, those grapes that taste like cotton candy, Cotton candy and sweet and sour soup with extra wontons.
0: This is Brains On from American Public Media. I'm Molly Bloom, and with me again is 12 year old Dekari from Baltimore, Maryland. Hey Dekari! Hello, Molly. This is part two in a series exploring the deep well of feelings inside us all.
1: Check out the last episode for the scoop on happiness. It's a real picker-upper. Today, though,
0: we're getting ready for rain on our parade.
1: We're checking into Heartbreak Hotel.
0: We're wearing our long faces because today we're talking sadness.
1: Sadness can be small, but it also can be really big. We're getting into all of it. So... When we talk about happiness, we talk about chemicals that make our brain feel happy. The same brain chemicals
0: also can play a role in sadness. If your brain sees less serotonin and dopamine, you'll probably feel sadder.
1: But just like happiness, there's no specific recipe for feeling sad. But why do we feel sad in the first place? I
0: mean, happiness makes sense. It makes us want to get out and do good things, have fun, hang out with friends.
1: Sadness can just make us wanna binge TV or hot in bed all day.
6: So why do we have this blue mood? One of the ways in which we can understand the evolution of our moods is to actually realize that we are uh, social animals. That's Barbara Natterson Horowitz. She teaches evolutionary
0: biology at Harvard and medicine at UCLA.
1: She's also working on a book called Wildhood, all about adolescence in the animal kingdom.
6: Social animals are animals that spend some time with each other. They are not isolated and alone for their whole lives. So, like a pack of wolves. Or a herd of cows.
1: A school of fish. Or a flock of seagulls.
0: Barbara says social animals form groups, and those groups help protect the individuals.
1: You know, strength in numbers. They can
0: also work together to find food, or share shelter, or even work as a team to help raise kids.
1: Barbara says this is such a successful survival strategy that we see all kinds of creatures evolve to do this.
0: But she says these social relationships also seem to affect moods, for better and for worse. For
6: instance, social animals can be competitive. For example, if two goldfish meet each other inside of an aquarium, they're going to size each other up.
4: Yeesh, here comes Gold Freya. She's not so tough.
6: Oh, it's Goldfred. He thinks he's hot tuna when he's really just cold sushi. Poof. They may kind of spar a little bit, and one of them will end up being more dominant than the other one. Hey, Goldfred, I heard you have gunk in your gills. Oh, really? Your breath smells like seaweed. Oh, yeah? Why don't you come over here and say that to my fins, punk?
7: Uh, actually, I'm good. I'll just stay over here where I am, nice and far from your fins.
6: (laughs) Now, what happens is when one goldfish wins, the chemistry in their goldfish brain changes so that their stress hormones go down and certain chemicals in their brain that are pleasurable go up. Is it possible for fish to swagger? Because I feel like swaggering right now. Swagger, swagger, swagger.
4: I feel weird. Like, I just want to stare at the fishbowl while making this noise. (gasps) Ah, what even is that noise? In
0: reality, we don't know for sure what these goldfish are feeling, and they can't tell us. But by studying them, it seems that the top goldfish ends up more outgoing and lively.
1: And the other goldfish might be slow moving or might hang out at the edges of the school of fish.
0: These behaviors have a lot in common with behaviors we associate with happiness and sadness in humans. And there are other ways being social can impact animals.
1: For example, social animals form strong bonds, maybe the bond with a friend or a family member.
0: But if they lose that other animal, they can act mopey, less motivated, and appear to us like they're really sad. So it seems sadness is a part of being social. Wow, this is bumming me out. Well, hold on. Even here, scientists think there might be an upside to feeling down. Some scientists think that after a while, sadness actually motivates animals to make changes. Maybe they'll decide to form new bonds, or maybe they'll want to improve their social standing.
1: What was animals can learn to do this by, once again, being social?
6: All that really means is, if you're a young penguin... Spending time with other young penguins, actually penguins your age or even penguins who are a tiny bit older, tiny bit more experienced, can help you um, be safer, which can make you feel less nervous.
4: Hey, Penguin Whitney. Can I hang out with you and learn from your older, wiser, penguin-y
6: ways? Sure, Peng Winston. I'll show you the best fishing spots, teach you how to avoid leopard seals, and show you my sick dance moves. Have you heard of the waddle? It's a hit at penguin parties. Oh. You walk yourself like you got stiff pants. Yeah, That's how It can help you waddle. develop social skills so that you can, you know, understand how these social hierarchies work because, you know, it's it can be really difficult to manage those, especially when you're just entering them for the first time and you know, kind of don't know the moves and you're trying to figure stuff out. The moral of the story and what we learn from studying wild animals all over the world is there's a huge amount to learn from friends and peers. So our sadness might be
0: a side effect of being social creatures. But being social might also be the way we can cheer ourselves up and learn to deal with difficult feelings.
1: Hey, if it's good enough for penguins and goldfish, it's good enough for me.
4: Here, here. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-brains on.
0: Okay, Daikari, are you ready for something that might make us a little less melancholy? I am. All right, let's hear the... Here it is. What is your guess?
1: It's so like somebody's stomach's growling.
0: <laughs> that is a really, really good guess. Well, we are gonna be back and hear it again and get another chance to guess in just a little bit. This summer, we're bringing back Smash Boom Best, and we are so excited.
1: Smash Boom Best is a debate podcast where we pit two things against each other to decide which is cooler. Kid judges pick the winners, and things can get pretty wild. Last season, we tackled pizza versus tacos, bats versus owls, books versus movies, to name a
0: few. And a whole new season starts June 6th. We've got all kinds of great matchups, like Venus flytraps versus piranhas. Dakari, in your opinion, which is cooler, Venus flytraps or piranhas?
1: Piranhas. Why? Because I like all types of fish.
0: Fish are really cool. I think I might have to pick Venus flytraps because it's kind of bananas that a plant can move and eat insects but we definitely need to hear more first before we can decide i think we will have a special sneak preview of this venus flytraps versus piranhas episode for you at the end of this show
1: so listen all the way through and subscribe to smash boom best so now you don't miss the new episodes
0: If you have a debate idea or a question for Brains On, send it to us at brainson.org slash contact. That's how we got this brilliant question.
7: I'm Samuel, I'm from San Antonio, Texas. My name is Violet from
1: Fitzgerald's Wisconsin, and my question is what's the difference between a butterfly
8: and a moth? My question is how are moths and butterflies different? We'll
1: answer that at the end of this episode too. So keep listening.
0: You're listening to Brains On. I'm Molly.
1: And I'm Dekari.
0: And this is the mystery sound. Any new guesses?
1: A record scratching.
0: Ooh, that's really good. I'm going to give you a hint, too. Okay, so the hint is, is that it's an animal. Okay, so let's hear it again with that in mind so now that we know it's an animal what is your guess a seal Ooh, excellent guess
7: here is the answer so that was a sound of a chicken and actually three chickens making sounds and they're even talking a little bit right now My name is Tanya Bailey, and I work at Boynton Health, which is the the healthcare clinic on the University of Minnesota campus, and I run the PAWS program. PAWS stands for Pet Away, Worry, and Stress. We bring registered therapy animals onto campus, and we have six different species that come onto campus, so including the chickens that you are hearing right now. We also have dogs, and we have cats, and we have rabbits, and we have guinea pigs, and we have miniature horses.
0: These chickens that we had in studio, they were Very fluffy chickens. They don't look like kind of the normal chickens that you might be used to seeing. They kind of almost look like very fuzzy dogs. We'll post some pictures online so people can see them because they are really cool. They're called silkies. And they're actually stress relief chickens that people can pet to relieve stress.
1: I need that in my life.
0: (laughs) Definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's like really cool how petting an animal can actually make you feel way better.
7: How animals can relieve stress is definitely still something that is being investigated and being researched. I think what we find is there's um, there's almost a meditative and methodical quality of petting an animal. And so here you are petting this animal. And as you find that the animal relaxes, this back and forth starts to happen. The animal relaxes, you relax. Then the animal relaxes more, then you relax more. So what I find is for the students, when they're with the animals and they're petting them, they are slowing down. Their, their body rhythms are slowing down. Their thought processes are slowing down. And if, if nothing else, for at least the brief moments that they come to pause, it gives their, their mind a break. Do you have any animals in your life that you get to pet regularly? My dog, <gasps> Chancellor.
0: Chancellor. So how does petting Chancellor make you feel?
1: He brings joy to me every time he's around
0: Oh, that is so nice. Remember when we said at the beginning of the episode that we were going to touch on some heavy topics? That part is coming up shortly. So if you're a kid listening alone, this might be a good time to find an adult
1: to listen with. And adults, you might consider listening ahead to be ready to talk about any questions this episode might inspire. Okay,
0: so feeling sad isn't always fun.
1: Sometimes you want to run away from sadness or mask it with a grin.
0: But feeling sad can be important. Understanding that life will always have some bad feelings mixed in is a big part of contentment.
1: Oh, contentment. The feelings that things are all right. Right.
0: Feeling content isn't as exciting as joy, that bright spark of happiness in a moment. Contentment is a little more neutral and steadier. What's a good contentment
1: moment you had, Molly?
0: Yeah, I think recently when I was stuck in traffic, I was feeling kind of frustrated. Um, But then I was just enjoying listening to my music and I felt, you know, like, yeah, this is going to be okay. What about you, Dakari? I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of hard to pinpoint contentment because it's kind of like probably how a lot of us feel a lot of the time of just kind of like going about and feeling kind of neutral but it's actually a good thing to feel that way. Sometimes trying too hard to be super happy can stop contentment. Sometimes it's about letting the right feelings come up at the right time and not shooing them away too quickly.
1: Our feelings are much more helpful than flies.
0: Totally. And one thing that can help is thinking about sad or angry feelings, kind of like weather. Sometimes a storm is just passing through.
1: Have you ever thought about it that way, Dakari? Yes. ring. I think about ring.
3: Yeah, and it, it helps to remember that your feelings are often telling you something. Anytime we look at understanding what somebody's going through and experiences, we always want to explore that in order to empower them to understand what they're going through and how to manage it. That's Kaz Nelson. She's a psychiatrist or a medical
0: doctor specializing in mental health at the University of Minnesota.
1: And she says there are all sorts of things you can do when your emotions start to feel very intense.
3: There may be times where you feel kind of overstimulated or upset or feel a feeling and you say, you know what, I'm just going to go and watch TV for a couple minutes or go sit in my room and read a book. And those are ways of modulating one's emotion, taking a warm bath, taking a cold bath, getting some intense physical exercise, smelling something that smells good, you know, there's A lot of things, even cuddling an animal, that you can do to change and influence your emotional system. Doctor-approved animal cuddles are 100% my cup of tea.
0: But when feelings start to seem more like a season or just a giant storm that feels too big to handle, that's sort of a different story.
1: Sometimes people have sadness that lasts for a long time, and the feeling can get so big that it makes it hard to go to school or hang out with people, or have fun.
0: And sometimes when people feel these really big feelings that hurt so much, they might feel like they don't wanna be alive anymore. If you or someone you know feels
3: like that, there are a lot of people who can help you and want to help you. So I wanna be very clear about this, that if you or somebody that you know or care about seems to be feeling feelings that are so big and so intense that they're very scary or not safe. We want to do everything we can to help that person. And so what you can do is tell a grown-up you trust that you're worried about that, whether that's a teacher or a parent or your doctor. Oftentimes people are scared to tell others that they're feeling this way because they worry that that means that they're bad or that they shouldn't be feeling those things or that they failed in some way to manage it on their own. And even though that's an automatic thought that your brain might be having, it's just not true. And feel free to tell your brain, hey, that's not true. People care and want to help me, and it's okay to tell somebody that I'm going through this. There should be none of us that deal with these very painful or difficult things alone. Now, there are people that feel that there's really no one safe in their family or their school or their community that they can talk to, and that's okay. If that's the case, just want to let you know that there is a phone number that you can call where there will be a caring person on the other line that's there to make sure that adults and children are safe, and that phone number that can be called from any phone is one 800 273 8255 that's a free telephone call and so you don't even have to have any money to call that phone number and you can reach someone who will care and listen to you and help match you with someone to help keep you safe
0: so even if your feelings are really really big remember there are people who want to help you
8: When we are sad, which is completely normal, sometimes if we just be aware of our body and we use our breath to breathe through the feelings, it can help us feel better. In every episode of this series, we're hearing from Malika Chopra.
1: She's a meditation and mindfulness expert.
8: So when we take in a deep breath, we actually bring in oxygen, which is nurturing to our body. And then when we breathe out, we breathe out a lot of the chemicals from our body, but also carbon dioxide. So breath is very healing. And breath can also slow down our Thoughts and it can slow down our body. So try to like take a deep breath and think a million things at the same time, and you'll find that you can't really do that. When you're taking in a deep breath, there's actually a pause, and then you may have thoughts around it, but breath helps you to slow down. Malika has a book for kids called Just Breathe about using meditation, which
0: is a way to slow down your mind and body.
1: And she shared this meditation with us to try when you're feeling sad
8: sometimes we feel really sad you may feel low energy in your body you may feel like you want to sleep or you may just feel like crying or teary-eyed the most important thing when you are sad to remember is that it's completely normal and natural to be sad we all go through many different feelings sometimes we're happy sometimes we're sad and so when we're sad What I recommend is just to experience the feeling. Don't even worry about changing the feeling. Instead, what you can do is you can find a place to sit, take a deep breath, and when you take in a deep breath, you take a deep breath in and out. And then just see where you are feeling the sadness in your body. And so it may be sadness in your heart. Um, It may be sadness that's coming out with tears. And whatever is happening, just recognize it and let it feel that way and take another breath in and out and just accept the feelings. If you need to cry a little bit, if you need to feel sad, that's okay. So just go ahead and feel the feelings. And whenever you are ready, you can just take another deep breath in and out, saying to yourself, it's okay to feel this way and continue with whatever else you are doing.
1: All of us feel sad sometimes. You'll probably see your friends or your family feel sad at some point. And sometimes it's hard to know what to say to someone when they feel sad. Like, let's say you're a planet and you have a pal, a celestial body that isn't called a planet anymore.
2: Oh man,
9: Neptune! Being a planet was my very, very, very favorite thing! <laughs>
0: Your first instinct might be to try to cheer them up.
2: (laughs) Don't worry, Pluto. You're still technically a dwarf planet. But that might not work. But I want to be a real planet.
0: (laughs) It doesn't feel too good when someone tells you to just change your feeling, because that's
9: hard to
1: do. Instead of telling them to feel happier, try showing them that you see their feelings (laughs)
2: Gosh, Pluto, you seem so sad that those Earthlings aren't calling you a fool planet anymore Huh? Yeah, I feel really, really sad
0: You can imagine how you might feel if you were in their situation and share that with them
2: That seems really hard. It's not fun losing your title
9: Yeah, it is hard
2: You can also ask questions What was your favorite thing about being called a planet?
9: You know how the earthlings used to sing that song and my name came
2: right after yours? I always liked being next to you in the song. Yeah? I'll still sing you the song the same way if you want. We could sing it together whenever you're ready.
0: Listening to someone's feelings can be more helpful than telling them how to feel.
9: You know, actually, what's kind of funny about this whole thing, since I'm a dwarf planet and all, I can't actually tell anyone about my feelings, but if I could, you'd be
2: the first person I'd call. Aw, thanks, pal. I appreciate you, too.
9: Mercury, Venus, Earth, and Mars, Jupiter,
2: Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune, and Pluto. Pluto.
0: Everyone feels sad sometimes.
1: We evolve to be social animals, and sometimes being social can lead to sadness. And sadness is important,
0: so you should let yourself feel it.
1: Listening to your friends and asking questions can help them feel better.
0: But if you're feeling sad all the time, it's a good idea to ask for help. That's it for this episode of Brains On.
1: BrainTone is produced by Mark Sanchez, Sandin Totten, and Molly Bloom.
0: This series was also produced by Manika Wilhelm and Sam Chu with support from Call to Mind, APM's mental health initiative. We had production help from Hannah Harris-Green, Christina Lopez, Elissa Dudley, and Jackie Kim. And we had engineering help from Johnny Vince Evans, Veronica Rodriguez, and Bob White. Special thanks to Jamar Pete, Andres Gonzalez, Nandia Fitzgerald, Kaz Nelson, Aaron Westgate, Phyllis Fletcher, Lori Galleretta, Sarah Pineda, Ari Saperstein, Jonathan Shifflett, and Mary Knopf.
1: Now, before we go, it's time for a moment of um,
8: um, 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 um.
1: What's the difference between a butterfly and a moth?
8: How are moths and butterflies different?
10: My name is Brian Brown. I'm curator of entomology here at the Natural History Museum in Los Angeles. And my job is to oversee research and growth of the insect collection here. It's Six million specimens from all over the world. You never run out of new things to find. Well, to start with, in one sense, there's really no difference between butterflies and moths. They're both members of a group called the Lepidoptera, or the scaly-winged insects. And we tend to think of the colorful, day-active ones as butterflies, and the drab, nocturnal ones as moths. But there's exceptions to both those rules. There are drab butterflies, and there are day-active, colorful moths as well. But in reality, they're both members of the same group. And especially to tell butterflies from moths, the antennae are really important. Butterflies have antennae that have what we call a clubbed tip. That is, they're long and narrow, and there's an expansion at the tip. Moths tend to have antennae that are hair-like, so there's no expansion at the tip. Or they have really furry antennae. The moths that have really furry antennae are males, and they use those furry antennae to find females that produce pheromones, or basically love perfume, to try and attract the males. And so the males have to detect this pheromone or this chemical over a long distance at very low concentrations. So they need as much antenna surface area as they can get. So the next time you see one of the lepidoptera or the scaly-winged insects, a butterfly or a moth, take a look at the antennae and see what they look like. Are they hair-like? Are they clubbed? Are they really furry? That way you'll be able to tell which they are.
0: Um, um, um. this list of names makes my heart soar like a butterfly this is the brains on a roll these are the brilliant listeners who share their questions ideas mystery sounds drawings and high fives with us Connor and Tegan from Chennai, India, Millie from London, Joseph and Jonathan from Platte City, Missouri, Carly from Woodstock, Georgia, Kevin from Flint, Michigan, Talia from Boston, Theo and Mae from Victoria, British Columbia, Harry from Breckenridge, Minnesota, Layla from New Orleans, Justice from Tabor, Alberta, William from Altadena, California, Miles and June from Mercer Island, Washington, Eleanor and Amelia from Los Angeles, Theodore and Serena from Montreal, Jackson and Ava from Tucson, Arizona, Lily from Capell, Texas, Ellie from Florence, Massachusetts, Orrin and Evie from Athens, Georgia, Lyle from from Toronto, Jade from Stamford, Connecticut, Ben and Will from St. Louis, Carter from Spofford, New Hampshire, Tajan from Toronto, Gwen from St. Petersburg, Florida, Sam from Forney, Texas, Cameron from Port Macquarie, Australia, Eliana from New York City, AJ and Rachel from Round Rock, Texas, Juliet and Zedekiah from Edgewater, Colorado, Desmond from Minneapolis, Cal and Kate from St. Louis, Rachel from Germany, Izzy from Maplewood, New Jersey, Joshua and Ethan from Calgary, Abid, Obaid, Aisha, Sarah, Bilal, and Fatima from Toronto, Elliot and Jocelyn from Vincent, Ohio, Annie, V, and Elise from Silver Spring, Maryland, Henry from Olivet, Missouri, Cora from St. John's, Newfoundland, Jonah, Isaac, and Sarah from Peterborough, Ontario, Sophia from Honolulu, Dovid and Shalom from Springfield, New Jersey, Ilya May from Oklahoma City, Brian and Isaac from Plano Texas. Caleb from Tyler, Texas, Frank from Minneapolis, Peter from Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania, Eli from Bellingham, Washington, Sarah from Burra, Australia, Oliver, Joey and Charlie from Cornwall, New York, Megan from Bristol, England, Monique from San Francisco, Oliver Simon and Wilson from Olympia, Washington, Ezekiel from Montreal, Michael, Nathan and Sarah from Minneapolis, Ariel from Fairfax, Virginia, Alex from Lawrenceville, New Jersey, and Logan from Layton, Utah. We'll be back soon with more answers to your questions.
1: Thanks for listening.
0: Here's your sneak peek of Smash Boom Best. Best.
5: Boom. Smash. Smash Boom. Boom. Best.
0: This is Smash Boom Best, the show about showdowns. All right, let's get back to our Smash Boom battle of the day, Venus flytraps versus piranhas. Our watery warrior and peckish plant are really bringing it. So put on your handling gloves and let's dive in. It's time for our creative challenge, the micro round. Micro round. This week's micro-round challenge is Seussian stylings. Each contestant has been instructed to prepare a poem about their side in the style of Dr. Seuss. He's the author of Green Eggs and Ham and Cat in the Hat. He's known for sick rhymes that never fall flat. Exactly. Jed went first in the last round, so Tracy we will have you take the lead with this one. Let's hear it.
9: Look, I'm a fish. I'm a fish with a dream. I dream to be liked, that people won't scream. Right now, the people, they're terribly scared. They're afraid of piranhas. It's really unfair. I only bite when I'm hungry and when I fight. And yes, I do bark all day and all night, but trust me, I only use my sharp teeth for good. I really don't bite all the things that I could. I use great restraint. Can't you see? Can't you tell? I haven't eaten anyone in like an hour. Well, I'll tell you what, though, that you need to know. That house plant you're watering, that thing should go. Venus flytrap, you say, what an interesting plant. Well, I'm not going near it. I won't and I can't. You can't trust A plant that would try to dissolve you A plant's dinner, you know, should not involve you That plant, it has plans Plans to entrap us the way that it's looking It's going to snap us But don't worry, my friend I'll bite our way out My teeth are that sharp I can fight our way out They'll hear me barking Get back, you green terror Then I'll be a hero You'll know that I care That's all that I want As a grumpy, bitey fish Just to be liked That's my one big, great wish
8: that was really good. <laughs> like, that was like some, like, Lin-Manuel Miranda Hamilton stuff.
9: Oh, that's right. That I was praise. like a roller coaster of emotion.
1: <laughs> well, Team
0: Frona really came out swinging with a volley of verse. Tracy is setting the Susian bar very high today. But let's see what Team Venus Flytrap has got for us. Jed,
6: take it away. All right, this is called The Better Pet. Poor Michael Fitzsimmons-Brend. The nine-year-old kid who just wanted a friend. He asked for a fish and got one that bites. Worse than a supervillain in tights. One sad winter's day, he stayed home with a cold. And while feeding his pet, he sneezed, so I'm told. Alas, his poor hand for a second had lingered. Inside the bowl and now Mikey's eight-fingered. If only he'd been more like Susie Fedora who begged her dad for some really cool flora. He got her a fly trap. Now she's free of gross bugs and has a green friend that will tolerate hugs. When picking a carnivorous pet, best not rush it. And if it has fins, please hurry and flush it. The wise child sides with these wonder plants, because piranhas you see are just underpants.
9: <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. You're just going to kill an innocent fish like that? I'm an underpants? (laughs) He bit off two of his fingers.
0: That was some seriously fierce rhyming all around. Kai and listeners at home, take a minute to mull it over, and please award a point to whoever you think won that round. Subscribe to Smash Boom Best in your
2: favorite podcast app and you'll get to hear the entire debate.